Again, and welcome to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pander. And I'm Anna Amsharan. And we're pleased to welcome Anna onto the show for the first time, especially because she is one of the founder members of the Optimist Union. And we need that this week. Yeah, after the result in New England, it's... Not a very optimistic week in some regards, but we'll come to that in a little bit. We're missing Zach again. He's serving the second of his two-game suspensions from the MLS Disco Committee. You see, if VAR was around, he might not have been suspended. Yeah. In fact, let's give him a phone. Let's see if we can get him on the phone. We've not done this before, but we thought we okay. would try. Uh, do you think he's listening right now? He's bound to be listening. Okay, he so is babysitting right now, or he... he could be asleep. Okay, so I'll, I'll be calling him right now. That's okay. not very good babysitting if he's asleep. Well, they have to sleep at some point. you got to pay attention still, though. So let's see if this works. We've wanted to call someone from the show for ages, so we thought we would try this. So here we go. It's oh, ringing. Yeah. It's ringing. Hola. Hola. So we're joined now on the phone by Zachary Weisenheimer as well. How's How things? Good. Things are good. Just for the record, it's called parenting, not babysitting. It's the same thing, is it not? <laughs> not, not exactly, no. Oh, okay. Anyway, we're going to kick things off by talking about the New England game. So what I want to ask everyone, we'll we'll start with Anna, because she's going to, I'm sure, give us a nice upbeat answer. So was that display poor or was it dismal? That was uh, the game of the week for me. It was very riveting because I got to spend it on Bowen Island with other supporters. And yeah. I highly recommend that. If you uh, need to commiserate with people, watch with friends when you're watching a terrible away game. That did look like a lot of fun. I would have done it, except the ferries. Oh, just, I've had enough of them. This takes way too long, but it did look a lot of fun. I think there's about 30 people went over on it. About 30 people, absolutely. And uh, a few of us were lucky enough to get boat rides over. So we sidestepped, oh, not the, ferry. sidestepped the ferry situation. Yeah. It was very. It was nice. tweeted out too. Somebody tweeted the uh, video out of you guys riding. I, was, I don't know if you were in that boat. There was a number of boats, you said? There were at least three that I know of. Yeah. So there could have been more than that. I, I saw a video of somebody like on the boat on the way to Bowen Island. That's fantastic. We were going to do that for one of the East Fife games. We were going to take a boat up to Peterhead from from Fife, which was going to be something like a four or five hour 
like fishing boat ride. But they were you guys were probably going to try to pack on thirty people on a five person boat. So probably. probably that one's going to. They be. did actually do a boat ride. It was either last season or the season before, and we were playing Berwick, and the boat actually went to New Berwick, which is a completely different time. So they actually missed the game, but they had fun anyway. So that, that's the main thing. So the New England game. Zach, what, what did you think? Did you think it was poor, dismal, or did you enjoy that? I enjoyed watching Gershon Kofi play in a, in a game that I somewhat cared about. Um, but no, it, it was. Uh, it's hard to not see it as anything but a poor performance and, and a, definitely a poor result. Now, I'm thinking that, uh, now I don't know if this is true, but I'm thinking that that's maybe what Robble wanted to do, make it a poor, perf- like make it a bad game. <laughs> okay. No, listen to, listen to my reasoning. Okay. New England has kind of a dynamic midfield. Um, they attack. They're supposed to be like this young attacking team, and you're going into their into their stadium, play a dismal game, frustrate them, and then maybe get a late winner. Kind of, kind of play just a you know a boring game. Well, kind it did of thing. look like it was playing for the draw. Yeah, no, exactly. And then, but and and the only thing that really hurt hurt them was that one moment of brilliance by uh, who uh, threw the ball. Then that t- Bunbury scored. Kellen Rowe. Kellen Rowe, yeah, fantastic ball. But that was like a perfect like cross into the box and t- till like maybe obviously we don't want to talk about it too much, but he made a perfect strike on him, perfect volley. Other than that, New England really didn't do anything in that game, and they're supposed to be the home team. Yeah, I mean, it was a game, it was two bad sides, and it was going to take one goal to win it, really. But it was a game where I expected the Whitecaps, I mean, it looked like they were playing for a draw. I expected them to come out there and at least attack early on, because this was definitely a side that was there for the beating. I think uh, when you're on a road stretch like that, you 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 want the win, but it's also... I mean, as terrible as it was to watch, it's where you get your experimentation in the game as well. You're saving Reyna a bit to hold him back and make sure that he's not trampled on. And uh, you (laughs) put in Mosquita and you see what he can do for you. And unfortunately, it was nothing. Yeah. And I mean, the the lineup, that can't have been any surprises there for anyone, was there? Oh, no, no, no no surprises at all. None at all. Seen this coming mile away. (laughs) Gideon actually on last week's show, as he was very quick to to send me a message about, uh, did tip that Marinovic would start this game, and we thought he was crazy. It was we thought he was just youthful exuberance. He had gone a little bit crazy, but he was proved right. Yeah, no, I didn't have an issue with Marinovic. No. I, my big problem was I think Harvey should have started. No, although I don't see well, a big issue Well, you had a really good game. Yeah, that actually, I don't have thing. a problem with that too. It's I think Reina was the guy, the person that was missing and kind of affected that att- attack which we needed. Yeah, I mean, well, let, let's look at the, the big change. David Usted on the bench for this one. Stefan Marinovic coming in. Can you read too much into that, Zach? Or was this just a, a good game to get Marinovic's first minutes in MLS? Especially because he's probably going to be the starting keeper next year. It's hard not to, not to read something into it, right? I mean, like, yeah, David's contract is up. He's on... Significant money, I think probably more money than the, the player union thing lets on about. Uh, and he, uh, yeah, he, I, I don't think, I, I think it's very easy to, to read something into this. Now, it might, it might come to nothing, but it's hard not to, 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 to see all the factors. When you look at Marinovic coming in as someone who was, uh, if you believe them, highly sought after by a number of clubs, and we felt fortunate to be able to get him. If you also look at the fact that this is the first keeper that new keeper coach Steve Kerr has been responsible for bringing into the team, 
and obviously David came in under Marius, it's hard not to see this as the potential first action towards the changing of the guard when it comes to, you know, the keeper for the Whitecaps. Yeah, and it's difficult. You don't want to read too much in it, and I think Marinovic was going to get a start at some point because you had to see what he did. But Anna, it was one of those games that if Marinovic had had a blinder and had a clean sheet, pulled off a couple of game-winning saves, you're then in the the situation of what do you do next week? Do you bring Ousted back or do you keep the guy in that's just had a, a great game? So it was a dangerous thing in that regard to do. But he, he didn't have a lot to do. He didn't have much of a chance with the goal. But I think what he did, he did well. I think he did well. I don't think uh, he was tested too much, but I think that um, he handled uh, what he needed to adequately. And um, I don't, I don't put the goal on him. I think that was a bit of a defensive breakdown, and I don't, I don't think it was completely in his hands. But you have to give him a chance. You got to test him out before you get into more important games, into your home stretch before the playoffs. You have to figure these things out. How does this guy play? And um, how does, what does it all look like? And would you have preferred if he had not started that game and started the first home game back? Yeah, I mean, it's a big, busy stretch coming up, and, and we'll look at that in the second part. I mean, Steve, what what did you think of Marinovic overall? And do you think the writing is on the wall for Usted? Well, I personally thought the writing was on the wall when they signed him initially, and we talked about that when they signed him. I thought that this is a move that Ousted was not going to come back for next year. Um, as as we played, I think I think he got kicked in the head just before he let him go. So I, I don't that might have had a little bit of an effect on that. And uh, it, like his compatriot Gleason as well went yeah. off injured. So we could have had both starting or both Kiwi keepers in MLS out injured. Yeah. So uh, so I, I I thought he played well. He, he commanded the box and, and enough for especially um, for being a new teammate. So I don't really put the goal on him, like Anna said, but it, you'd still would love to see New England do something to show that he can make that big save. But in, in New England didn't really provide any anything for him to do. Yeah, and I think I'll post to you then, Zach. Like, I think most of us expect David is going to move on. He He's talked about wanting to pursue opportunities in, in Europe if, if they came up. He was on the radio during the week and... Mm-hmm. Very uncommittal about his future. Basically said, you'll know when I know, which is Robbo's standard answer when he gets asked about transfer rumours. Could you even imagine a situation where, with the European window still being open, that Usted leaves the club in this window? I wouldn't be surprised if that were to happen. I wouldn't be shocked if that were to happen. I'd be a little bit surprised if he doesn't see out the season. But I think, going back to what Steve just said, I think the writing was on the wall when Marius left. Like, Marius was the one who brought him here. Marius, I think, was probably someone who played a significant role in helping him get uh, uh, re-upped on his contract uh, a couple years ago, whenever that was, when he, he got a wage increase. And... I think that was a real, that was pretty significant. And so all these other things that have, have kind of been the fruit of that. Um, so yeah, no, I would be a little bit surprised. I would be a little bit surprised, but, or sorry, I would be, sh- I would, it would be shocking, but not totally surprising if somehow he were to move. Um, but that would also mean they'd have to terminate a contract, I think, in some way. Like, it, there's, it's a bit tricky, right? Obviously, the European window's open until August. Well, they 31st. can sell him as well. Yeah. Well, can they? 
Well, they can, can they yeah. sell them? I, if the I European they, window's open, then they, they can sell like, them. They can sell them now. Oh, they can sell during the European window. Okay. Yeah. Then, yeah. But, I, yeah, I don't... <laughs> is there going to be a buyer? No, when I, when I personally know, wouldn't when, when sell them. When they know he's potentially free in January. Yeah. Well, that's the know? thing as well. I mean, he's going into an option year. We believe, or our understanding is that his option is higher than what he's currently on. If anything, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the Whitecaps even want him to take a pay cut, never mind give him a, a pay increase. And of course, another player whose contract is up at the end of this season, and he would be a free agent if he wanted to, is Jordan Harvey. And, I mean, will they even want to bring him back at the salary that he's on, or would they want to to try and get him in a, a lower amount as well? Because they, they know how much he, he loves Vancouver, and he would want to stay here. There's backups in Marcel de Jong, Brett Levi's. They can always bring in another left back. And, and Brett Levi's made his return today too. Yeah, and Harvey was missing for the second of three games on this road trip. And to me, that that was the, the big, big surprise, Anna. It was a surprise. Um, I think there's a very competent backup, if not more so, uh, in Marcel de Jong. So how do you... How do you always play Harvey and never give De Jong a chance. What's the point of De Jong being here if he never plays a game? Yeah, and the thing is, like we talked about, if Marinovic had come in and had a blinder, De Jong did really well. I mean, for me, I had it down between De Jong and Nerwinski as the Whitecaps man of the match. Yeah, I thought Nerwinski. I, I called for Nerwinski as being my man of the match. Absolutely. What about you, Zach? Yeah, well, Jake, I think, contributed more going forward, so it was hard not to see him as... Yeah, if, yeah, man of the match. But who, does anyone really care in a man of the match in a losing cause? I don't, I don't think. I don't think no, so, well, I, yeah. If I, 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 I even see on uh, I saw on Vancouver Twitter's page that they didn't even uh, tweet it out who their man of the match was. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, they no, but they do that all the time because it's sponsorship, man. It's no, no, they didn't. Their... They, they didn't. They didn't do it. Well, they didn't week. do oh, it this did. week. Yeah. So um, either the sponsorship is out, or or they no. didn't feel like tweeting anything after that game. No, the sponsorship is still there. But, I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I mean, on, there's a really good site called whoscore.com and I had access to Opta at the start of the season, but I kind of lost my access to that, long story. So I've been using... You didn't Who's, pay the bills. Yeah. The the whoscored.com site is fantastic. It's got a lot of good stats on it. I've been using it a lot this season. And free. And free, which is always good for a Scottish person. They had Nerwinski and De Jong as the two highest rating players. They had De Jong at 7.39. They had Nerwinski at 7.26. Nerwinski had 82 touches, De Jong 76. And now, does this go into the Audi index from MLS? Oh, I don't something? know. I, I think I think this one possibly uh, goes into the Skoda index. Okay. Can we give an honorable mention to Tony Chani for 92% accuracy? Yes, that, that was, was sh- impressive. Surprising, I've, but I'll take it. It was very surprising because I hadn't noticed him. And at the end of the game, I thought, well, that was a, a nothing game from Chani. He was invisible. No. And I looked at the stats, I'm like, yeah. Although I did spend the first half talking to you on the phone, Steve. So Part of it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't really watch a lot of it. I was quite boring by that point. Yeah. Not not the phone call with you, that's always exhilarating. You know. <laughs> but, Zach, Nerwinski and De Jong, two good fullbacks. De Jong had a good game. Do you keep him in now next week, or do you bring Harvey back? And if De Jong keeps his place, is that a message being sent to Harvey that, look, you're not indispensable. We've got other guys that might want to come and play cheaper. Has anyone checked, like, is Jordan Harvey, like, expecting a second child or anything? Or does, like, 
does buying it does buying a new home does buying a new home count as well like, david has you know, just bought a new home as well oh there you go yeah. and his daughter's due uh, to start school this year there you go uh no yeah yeah marcel i think uh, we've said this i've said this in the past i think marcel plays best in a in a Canada kit, and it it looks like coming out of the Gold Cup, he's carried some of that form that he usually has for Canada. The the issue with Marcel, or sorry, one of the issues with Marcel is that he's not a full, he's not a fullback. Not he a classic fullback. fullback. Yeah, yeah, he's he's an attacking left sided player. So um, we can play him there, but we also in the long term have to remember that it's going to come with some costs defensively at some point. Um, it might come with some huge upside offensively, but there will be some downside offensive, offensively. I think the more, ex- uh, not the more exciting thing, but I think if Jordan Harvey were to move on, if 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 uh, an option was, if there is an option, an option was taken on Marcel's contract, you still have Brett Levi's, and he is, although he also is a converted <laughs> converted fullback, someone who was a, a yeah, as we know, well back in the day was well. an attacking player. Yeah, he w- he was converted to fullback. He, um, I think, he is more the long-term ideal um, for for the for Vancouver when it comes to their roster, right? Just think about in, in terms of the, the, the cap and or the salary budget or whatever, and he would be able to fit a, a, good, uh, a good... He would be able to help them by yeah. not being having, having to pay a left back a crazy amount of money, say below 100, or below 100, below 150, whatever. And really, really help because I think he will be able to contribute in the long term. And I think, um, and but it's, it, it, it is going to be interesting to see what happens because we do have now. By the end of the season, we expect to have there expects to be three healthy full left fullbacks, and I can't see that situation going into twenty eighteen. No, definitely not. And the thing is, it seems to be the rage to convert uh, wingers to fullbacks. You look at uh, Michael Matrasso recently changed to right back. Yep. Um, on the Canadian women's national team, they seems to be old, like they could get anybody who's a winger and put them back at fullback because they got a dearth of wingers there. Have we given up on Sam Adekubi ever coming back? Yeah, he's never coming back. I, I, th- yeah, I, I don't think back. he wants to come no, back. His, no, he doesn't his want head it. and his heart are over in Europe. We'll he, sign him as a yeah. th- uh, 29, 30 year old yeah. DP. Yeah, if it, if it fails <laughs> for him, I mean, he might be back, which no. of course we don't want to see. But that's he'll, a, he'll, he'll, he'll end his career in the Canadian Premier League playing for Calgary. Oh. Well, that's some of our thoughts on the game. Let's hear a little bit from both coaches now. First of all, we'll hear from Carl Robinson, and then we'll hear a little bit from Jay Heaps. And there's some interesting comments from Heaps that but we'll talk about after you hear them. had the chances at the ending but it just uh, wasn't going into the net tonight no we didn't have the luck that we probably needed obviously the first goal was always going to be crucial we conceded off our goal kick we were a little bit open and uh, credit to them they got their first goal Uh, but from the moment the goal went in I thought we showed a lot of character lots of half chances hit the crossbar um, but it didn't fall for us so unfortunately we weren't able to get anything out of the game I am, yeah, and I expect that from them now. Every time we go a goal behind, uh, I ask them to step it up and play with a little bit more tempo, and they did that. Obviously, the introduction of one or two players off the bench made a, made an impact as well, but there was a lot of good performances today, even though we got no reward. 
I was, yeah, and no, listen, give me a few headaches now. There's good competition for places all over the park, and you know when you're in the team, you got to step up and play well. And if you're coming off the bench, you got to make an impact. Um, but as I said, there there was a lot of good performances. One goal was probably always going to win the game either way. Um, unfortunately for us, they got the first goal. Strong, really strong. I thought he was he was at ease in most of the time. He obviously got kicked to the head, so um, you know I was worried about him then. But that nah, strong performance by him. Unfortunate to lose uh, Matty Lab in the first half. Any update for on him? Yeah, no, that doesn't look good. Um, so fingers crossed. Uh, obviously, I think he's his knee is jarred on the pitch, uh, which was a little bit spongy. So it uh, doesn't look good, to be fair. Three road games in a row now, 15,000 kilometres travel. Are you happy to go back home with a ton of matches at BC Place coming up? Yes, um, very pleased and looking forward to it greatly. You know, we've been on the road. We know we got a lot of travel. And, you know, I asked them before the game, don't use the travel as an excuse. You know, put in a performance. And I think we performed well. Obviously, we got no points. Um, but there was a lot of good things. We'll take the positives from this. We'll rest up next week. And obviously, we've got three games the following week, two at home and one away. Where we've got to try and pick up points to catch the chasing pack. Huge. Uh, only because we, you know, we had a, you know, a tough one last week and um, felt like we needed to really focus on that again um, as one of our key, and, and, uh, key points of emphasis this week and objectives this week. So good week of uh, training that led to it uh, in terms of that. Um, but overall, the game was not. Um, there, there wasn't a ton of flow to the game, and it was it was really, um, as I said, clunky. Right, just the tempo wasn't there, and, and it was whether we were giving a couple bad passes away, or injuries, or guys going down, or they were kicking it out. Just this did ever they did a nice job of disrupting the flow. And when you're on the road, you know there's no, you know there's there's a recipe to why Vancouver's good on the road. They know how to disrupt what you're trying to do, and then they have the ability to to to, to beat you if you take your. Uh, Take your eye off the the ball for one minute. I mean, to share a Montero. I mean, those guys are as dangerous as they come. We saw a video uh, since the replay used t- uh, twice tonight. Mm. Your general thoughts? Not about the calls themselves, but about the program that you brought into MLS. Yeah, I mean, like, I think last week was you could have caught me out for the game. It would have been a little different conversation. But it, the reality is, I'm I, I'm I'm a fan of it if it, if they get it right. And I think, um, you know, I think for me, it's. Can't be something where it over referees, but I thought tonight they did a nice job of, of seeing and, and moving on from it. Because I'd rather them look at it and make the right call than not look at it and, and think they made it. Because I think um, in our game last week there was that challenge on um, uh, that Akam did on, um, on on Caldwell for the yellow card. They didn't go review that. It, I would much I don't mind. They wouldn't review Tony's and say hey it's no. It just for me it just calms everyone down, right? Because we, we believe, after looking at it, that the foul on Akam by Akam was a red card and wished that he'd just gone over and looked at it. And if he looked at it and made the decision, no, okay. So tonight, the way it was used, uh, both against us and for us, it was seamless. I thought he handled it well. He listened, and, and uh, he, he didn't make any real cha- game-changing calls. But other than adding a, the timeline at the end of the game for stoppage time, it was, it was pretty seamless. Six minutes, Frank. A lot of six minutes up there. <laughs> I've got six minutes all year. Gaffer's there talking about yesterday's game and 
the, the thing that I found interesting from Jay Heaps was he was talking about, to him, Vancouver, he says, know how to play perfectly on the road because they break the game up all the time, they slow it down. He felt that's what we were doing last night. And he seems to think that we have found the, the perfect way to, to play on the road, which to an extent we have. We've got a lot of wins this year, but it's is this the key to winning in, in MLS? Is it a case of you want to just play choppy on the road? Uh, I don't think so. I think that it makes for a very boring and unattractive product at times, and uh, I don't think that's the way that we want it to be. I think I would prefer to um, see more attack, and I would, uh, yeah, that's what I want. Uh, I'm fine with grinding out 1-0 wins. And if we did that the whole season, I know it's not attractive to watch. I was bored during the game last night. I think my, my match report, the paragraph, I had one paragraph for the first half. Yeah. Um, and we've got some something still to talk about, about about the game when I'm being in the first half. But looking at the goal, it was a defensive breakdown. I don't think you can put too much on Marinovic for it. Some folks said he maybe should have come out a little bit, but he tried to make himself as big as possible. I think that that was all it was. And, and Zach, I know you feel that Kendall maybe got sucked in a little bit because of the danger of Kamara. Yeah, well, I think I think the goal was maybe the one time in the evening where, yeah, Kendall got caught high, defending Kamara high, and created a, a nice void that uh, that Teal ran into and wasn't you know fully picked up by by Tim and the fullbacks. And then it was a beautiful cross from Kellen Rowe and a great finish. But yeah, Kendall Kendall came up high to, to to do what he was supposed to do, and they took advantage of the space. So let's talk about the big incident that happened in the first half. Matty Laba went down twice. Second time he had to go off. Second time when a player goes down and there's no one around him, you, you know it's a bad injury. Robo said there that it's not looking good. We may not see him back this season. Who knows? It seems to be his knee. A big loss, Steve, or not so much with the the addition of Gazal and Jacobson and Chani being here? It, it might not be that big of a loss. It, like There might be other positions that might have been hurt more. I would name, for example, Kendall Waston, Freddie Montero, and maybe uh, one of the wingers, like Chichera. Um Laba right now, uh, while he does offer a bit, there are other options in the in midfield. And obviously, like you said, they signed the new Egyptian um, Gazal, and I think that might might be a really good timing on that signing. Yeah, hopefully he's about timing. He hasn't played at all, I don't think, this year. So hopefully he can get into football shape, game shape soon. Yeah, I mean that 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 is a but worry. And we're, we're, right now, I'm thinking Jacobson and um, uh, Chani, Chani are the two guys, yeah. and hopefully Waston doesn't have to go do more immigration stuff. And hopefully, I think that's, that's all sorted now. Yeah. So I think we're, think we're all good with that. But yeah, Laba, I mean, he had a hundred percent passing accuracy yesterday in the, the, the twenty eight minutes yeah. that he was on. So can't knock that. I mean, what do you think, Anna? Do you, do you see Lava being a big loss or not so much? I think he will be a big loss. I think that he uh, he does provide um, that kind of security that we need. But I think it was a smart decision to load up on all of these uh, defensive midfielders. And I think that's going to end up working out for us, hopefully, um, as long as he can get up to speed quickly. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what Ali can do. But, I mean, Chani's done really well this year. I know he's had some moments where he looks a little shaky and uh, some of us are unsure. But Three he, goals? He's 
had three goals. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, I'm thinking that if he just stays in a – he doesn't do try to do too much, that's better for him. When he tries to do too much, that maybe he gets himself in trouble. Yeah. And now if he's sitting there as the main guy, as the main DM, Jacobson is the one that moves, pushes forward, maybe that might be a better option. Mm-hmm. So just rounding off on, on the New England game, both sides were fairly evenly matched. 12 shots each possession was pretty much 50-50. The telling moment was just that, that one one chance that New England took and we didn't. So we're going to say goodbye to Zach for now. We're going to bring him back later on the show. And we'll be back with more chat after this. Pangy Bottoms there, Edmonton punk band from the 80s with Egyptian Holiday. We're going to have this show as an Egyptian-themed show. A couple of segments. Yeah. We've got decor all around the studio. I I asked everyone to bring a mascot along with them. Steve, you've done well. I haven't done anything. Ah. I've ordered my kids to do stuff. Your kids have done well. Yes, they have. Well, Well, one one did. Actually, one kid did. Okay. Your talented kid did well. yes. So we'll tweet some of these out, but they seem to have built a pyramid. Pyramid out of Lego. Mm. And a sphinx. Yes. You can't forget about the sphinx. That's your lucky mascot for tonight. Yeah, and, and it's multicolor too, so in honor of pride oh. as well, so rainbow colors. We're going to be doing a quiz later, so that's hopefully going to bring you good luck in that. Okay. And Anna, what did you bring along as your mascot? I brought along a wooden camel that oh. I picked up in Egypt. And it's a one-humped camel. It's, it's a single hump. Yeah. And you've been to Egypt. I have been to Egypt. And you have too, Michael. Uh, yeah. When did, when did you go? 2010. I think I was about... Were you trying to get away from the Olympics? <laughs> <laughs> it was not. It was great. I went on a day trip. We went to Cyprus, um, and you can fly there and do a day trip. Left at six in the morning, got home at one the next morning, went all around the Sphinx, the pyramids, oh, wow. got dropped off an Egyptian market that was very scary. Yeah, it's pretty scary there. Yeah. The driving is pretty terrifying. I'm wearing my East Fife top from circa that year, which is what I wore on that trip, and everyone was wanting to exchange it. A lot of people seem to think it was a Real Madrid top. I, I really don't know that they thought it was East Fife, but kind of wish I had, because then I could have had an Egyptian top to wear tonight. Maybe there's a lot of East Fife fans in Egypt. There, there could be. No Egyptian tops being worn tonight, but Anna, you are repping your home country. I am. I don't get many opportunities to wear uh, an Iran kit, but I am wearing one tonight. And we will get some photos out for everyone. We need to get some cameras set up in here. We I might think. do that next week. Yeah. Oh, I'm efforting right now. Yeah, And you are wearing a Balor Club. Balor Club, yeah. They're worldwide, so that I guess they're in Egypt as well. Oh, they're in Egypt, well. bound to be, yeah. yeah. So I've also brought my mummy with me. Came which, all the way from Scotland? Yeah. She's seen better days. The whole Egyptian theme, it's because, as we mentioned just before the break there, the Whitecaps have a new addition. Yeah. 
Ali the Gazelle Gazal. I'm trying to get the Gazelle nickname to catch on. I'm sure it will. Southsiders want Gaza with an H. Okay. Because then you've got Gaza Strip. Okay. Which would be good. But did you know that Gaza was not the only Egyptian player at the Whitecaps? Uh, do tell. She. Holding this up, which again, this doesn't really this work. This is a good radio, radio show. Did yeah. you know that? There, there is an Egyptian god called She. He's covering his face. He's maybe not wanting to be seen, or uh, she, as opposed to the other She who loves to be seen. Yes, same kind of hairstyle. I yeah, think. they do have the same. He's, hair. he's holding a tablet. Yes, the other She loves to hold his guns. Yeah, maybe maybe that's what the tablet actually says. It's mm. like something about U.S. and guns. I don't know. Anyway, gazelle. the actual Egyptian. Um, Ali Ghazal is in town. Um, they signed him from uh, another Chinese team, so the second player to come over from China, uh, Freddie Montero being the first. Yeah, and Angus Walker uh, on Twitter asked, did he come here because of the pyramids on the Whitecaps badge? Oh, that could be it. It's a really good point. Maybe he saw it as yeah. pyramids. We think they're mountains, but he sees them as pyramids. Yeah. Mm. It's a great scheme anyway to, to get him over here. He'll do well in the, the Amway, if it was still Amway. Oh, because of the pyramid <laughs> yeah, scheme. Pyramid <laughs> scheme. That makes, that makes sense. But it was a, a signing that I think maybe surprised a lot of people. I was told a couple of weeks ago that we were going to be bringing in a DM that could also cover at centre-back. Then, of course, Straith arrived at training, and I thought, it's Adam Straith. So we interviewed him for the show last week. But no, it was not Adam Straith. It was Ali Gazal. And a good bit of business with the Whitecaps, considering... The Chinese club, whose name I can't remember, but they paid, what's it, 2.8 or 2.6 million euro transfer fee for Guys who's inching. Didn't make a single appearance. Was that the guy who paid the money? Or was that no, the no, club? that was the team's name. Oh, okay. Um, I'm assuming I pronounced it right. But, I mean, we're getting a player that basically costs 3 million euros on a free transfer. Yeah. Now, that is a good bit of business. Robo said he made a cheeky little bid. To try and get him before he went to China, gonna guess it wasn't as much as two point eight million euro. No, I'm almost hundred percent sure it wasn't that much. Pretty sure it probably wasn't even two point eight dollars. No, no, in the front office, he he was playing in the Portuguese uh, first division. He was or he premier was the division of, club captain of yeah. Nacional. Yeah, which is pretty big. But I mean, Anna, were you surprised to see another DM coming in? It didn't really strike us as the the position of need. In hindsight, now we're Labba going down, it's a fantastic acquisition. It looks really smart now. It did seem a strange one. It did seem a bit strange, but it makes sense if uh, contracts are expiring and you're trying to get coverage uh, for different positions. It, it, it does make sense. Yeah, because Labba, he still harbors hopes of going to play in Europe. and Like like most players do. Yeah. I, that, that's not, he's not the only one. Well... Whitecaps just lost their under-16 captain to yeah. Bulgaria, Alessandro Hojabapur. Yeah. I don't think I would... Say that again. Yeah, uh, Alessandro. Let's just go with that. Yeah, he, he, I think he's gone to Bulgaria. I yeah. think he's Bulgarian himself with descent. Bulgarian um, under-19 team he signed for. So yeah. a big, big loss. He was very highly thought of. He was your number one in the Whitecaps under-16s one to watch. Yeah, and you, like, we were both thinking it was um, uh, Jesse, I think it was Rodriguez. No, I can't remember. The strikers guy. That that scored a lot for the U sixteen. I'm, I'm, I'm oh Jose here. Hernandez. Yeah, whatever. Jesse Rodriguez. <laughs> I don't remember names. I, oh I I'm very bad at remembering names. But okay, but we thought it was him. That yeah. was number one. And then when I we talked to the guy who uh, our scout uh, who, that watches a lot <laughs> of the games, you nearly said who it was. Yeah, I never said who it was. No, you nearly did. Okay, okay. 
Uh, but the guy we talked to, he basically uh, said, no, this is the yeah. guy that's number one. He's the best player. We actually team. spoke to a few folk this year, and they yeah. were all very high on him. So that's a big loss to the Caps. But, yeah, but he went on a free, so he could come back any time yeah. he wants to and join the team again. But Gazal in the team. Yeah. We don't know, as we said, how fit he is to go. Thankfully, in some regard, he didn't play for the Chinese team. Yeah. Because you can't play for three clubs in a calendar year. I didn't know that at all. So if he had, he wouldn't have been able to play for the Whitecaps. But he only played for Nacional, didn't play any minutes for China. But now he's coming here, not having played for eight months. How long had it been for um, Reina when Reina came that he hadn't played? I don't know, because they, they, they said he wasn't up to match fitness, but then he got injured. So And then he definitely wasn't yeah, up for match I think we're probably just talking a couple of months. I don't think we've had anyone that hasn't played for this long a period. Yeah. I mean, you've had like, UK folk that's maybe two or three months. but like I remember when Pedro Morales came in. He came in and he came right off playing for yeah. them. And then so he basically played 18 straight months. Yeah, which is the which other thing that's down not that great sure. either. Because yeah. you don't want them... Yeah. That's the problem with signing anyone in the summer window that's just finished a season. Like, like David was, Edgar had just played a whole season with Sheffield United the and thing, then had the, been in pre-season mode and wasn't fit to go. The thing is with Gonzalez, he's not coming off an injury or anything like that. He's just coming off not playing because of the, the roster rules. So he should be in training fitness at least. So it's just a matter of getting maybe a week or two and he gets into game fitness. Hopefully sooner rather than later, yeah. From, from what we've seen of his highlight reel... He's not a DM that scores a lot of goals. I think he scored one. But he does seem to like to go box to box. He's going to be a guy that's... He's obviously highly thought of. You don't become a captain of a premier team in Portugal without having some skill. So it's impossible really to say what he's going to bring. I know nothing about him. Hopefully he's going to do well. I don't think he's going to get the start against Houston, though. I think it's likely to be Charlie and Jacobson just because he hasn't played. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting to see him at training this week just to see how soon he can go in. But he has joined the team. Another guy that joined this week was Aaron Mond. And as one centre-back come, we say goodbye to another. Christian Dean moved on to Pastures New at Chicago. Wish Christian nothing but the best. A great guy. We've spoken to him a lot on the record, off the record. We chatted to him all the time at training. One of my favourite guys to, to speak to just because he's so genuine and you really want him to do well for the right reasons. He's just, he's been through so much. He had a lot of talent. But those foot injuries, you yeah. have to think he could just be one foot injury away from career ending. The best way to sum up my thoughts on Christian Dean going is I'm glad he's going and I hope he makes Vancouver regret that he's gone. That's, the, I, I, that's how highly I regard him as yeah. a person. So I'm hoping he... Makes Vancouver. I hope he has a great career, and I hope he plays starts at least twelve games, so he get another fifty thousand, yeah. and maybe they sell him off and we get some more money. I mean, Anna, what, what did you you feel about the Dean move? It looked like it was on the cards for a while. The fact that they hadn't been playing him in USL, it was as if they had a deal possibly lined up, and they just didn't want him to get injured. But are you sad to see him go, or does it just make sense for both parties now that he moves on? I think it makes sense. He was on a lot of money on his uh, carryover from the GA contract, I think. So um, it makes sense for everybody. And sometimes when you do get a new, uh, fresh start, you can um, make it work for you and do a lot better. I was optimistic of what he could do for us when we were starting out the season this year, but he never really found his place behind 
Timmy and behind Kendall, and I hope that he does well in Chicago. And last season, preseason, I had him ahead of Parker. Just the way that he played at preseason, him and Kendall together looked so good together. Mm-hmm. And then the injuries hit. One thing which he told us, which I think it's fine to mention this now since he's not with the Whitecaps, but in his foot, he hasn't got a lot of feeling. When they were doing the surgery, they kind of snipped some of the nerves. So he can't actually feel if it breaks again or if he's in pain, which is great because in one regard, you're going into tackles and you're not going to feel anything. But then if he injures himself again, he may not know and he might be doing himself more damage. And like Steve, you were one of the guys that was speaking to him about that. Yeah, and I've mentioned to him that, you know, he could be in Wolverine where he doesn't feel any pain at all. Uh, but no, yeah, it's it's a difficult thing that, you know, you have, you go in for a regular surgery and you find out that like there's a screw up like that. And then you, if you, if basically if he breaks his foot, he's not going to know. Yeah. So he, they got to double check and everything. And, and I was always thinking that maybe he, because I think uh, it was after the RSL game where he stopped playing for a while. Yeah. And maybe during that RSL game where everybody was com- like, you know, complaining how badly he played, maybe he was playing with that, you know, that foot broken at that time. And yeah. he just didn't know it. I mean, he had a stinker of a game, but he had a great first game of the season. Against yeah, against Philadelphia. That, yeah, he was so it perfect. showed what he can do. Yeah. He just needs the consistency. It was interesting. Andy O'Brien put a tweet out wishing him all the best and saying that he hopes he gets, basically, he, he hopes he gets the right coaching and is in the right environment to, see that, yeah. to kind of bring him on. And I think one good thing about going to Chicago is he's playing home games anyway on grass. Yeah. He's not going to be on, on turf, which is going to be a killer for him. But, I mean, let's wish him all the best. He's moved on. We've now got a new guy back, Aaron Mond. A lot of experience yeah, for a young guy. Yeah, not as much money as Dean either. Yeah. But the experience he brings could be invaluable because you know... I mean, Andrew Jacobson's done well when he's come in to yeah. cover. But he isn't a centre-back. No. I would have had faith, though, going forward with him and Parker. I, th- I thought they did well together. But, I mean, you know that Kendall's going to be away on international duty, possibly suspensions, although he's really cleaned his act up. But do you know much about Mond that makes you think it was a great acquisition apart from the experience? No, I'll, I'll be honest with you. When I heard of his name, I didn't... I go, no, not that guy. I didn't like him that much at TFC. And then I looked at him, I go, no, that's not the right guy. Yeah, because I was, I was the same. I, we were, Steve and we were talking on the phone. We both thought he was a white guy. So I don't know who the hell we think. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who that player is. Aaron Mond is. But, <laughs> but we not totally, okay. like, I, honestly, because I, I, I I'm not going to watch TFC games that, not? that closely. <laughs> they, might, they might be on, on the background on the TV, but I'm not going to watch it. So I, I, for some reason, I, I associated Aaron Mond with him. Maybe he was playing with the guy. I know. And it's I did like, and I thought, thought it was, uh, was yeah. a different guy. But I, I mean, think the only thing I'm afraid of about Mond is I have uh, a, fr- a Twitter friend who's an RS- a huge RSL fan, and he didn't say anything about, oh, shucks, we lost him. So yeah. No, but I thought he was one of their best players yeah. last year. But that's but, always, like, when opposition fans are like, oh, we're really disappointed to see the guy go, that's when you're thinking, yeah, we got a great deal. Yeah, yeah but when they're radio silence, you yeah. kind of wonder. But they didn't give up about. anything for him. That's true. No. Third rounder. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, we didn't I know. lose anything. I mean, how many third rounders make it with any teams in, in MLS? Ritchie. Well, well, he's not made it yet. No, not yet. He had a howler today for WFC2 for the, the second I, goal. I didn't, I didn't that was watch the there was a pass back. He just seemed to spend forever on it and then got tackled. And, oh. Yeah. That happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll talk a little bit about WFC2 in the last part. But yeah, Mon's come in. 
Gazelle's come in, looking forward to seeing them both in action. So, keeping the Egyptian theme going, we're going to do the first of what's probably the only time we do this. Let's play Away with the Pharaohs! So, some great music going on there. So, let me explain what we're going to do here. I have two envelopes here. One marked envelope A. One marked envelope B. You could have got out of your bag earlier. Yeah, I know. That, that was quite <laughs> bad. So, in one of these envelopes, there is a list of 12 names. In the other, there's a list of 12 names. Do you see where I'm going here? Yeah, 12 names. Yep, 12 names. We're going to do this in two parts, and we're going to give Anne a first choice. One of the envelopes has a list of Egyptian footballers or Egyptologists. The other envelope has a list of either Egyptian footballers or Egyptian rulers. And you have to tell me which one is which. Well, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. I, e- Egyptologists, I'm not going to have you, any you idea. Didn't ha- <laughs> that, that was interesting. Yeah. That, that, you didn't mean that. No. Okay. So let's give Anna the choice. Do you want envelope A or envelope B? B. Okay. Does she have to go first, or can she choose to go nope. second? Can I? No, nope, uh, she has to go. Maybe I have to go check out my parking. Can I get out of here? <laughs> this is going to work, trust me. I tried this with my wife. She got most of them right. She's probably a better <laughs> woman than I am. Well, she's into Egyptology, so... Um, <laughs> okay, so you have got... Is this an Egyptologist or a current Egyptian footballer who is currently playing overseas? Oh, boy. So just say footballer or Egyptologist. Sam Morsey. Footballer. Correct. He's currently with Wigan Athletic in England. Bing! One point. Georges Goyon. Uh, Footballer. Uh -uh. French Egyptologist who spent 20 years excavating Tanis and studying the stones of the Great Pyramid of Sheops. Mahmoud Mahar Taha. Footballer. Egyptologist. He's a current general director of the Centre of Documentation and Studies on Ancient Egypt. Ali Hassan. Footballer. Correct. Formerly of Ottawa Fury, currently with San Antonio in the USL. (laughs) Alexander Jacobson. Egyptologist. Footballer. Born in Denmark, plays for IFK Norkopping in Sweden, but made the switch to Egypt at under-20 and senior level in 2013. And your last one for this round, Rami Jazin Gandur. Egyptologist. Footballer. Oh, no. He plays for Wolfsburg in the Bundesliga. So what's the score? Oh, just two for Anna in that one. So we'll come back to Anna in part three. <laughs> This seemed better in my head. Most things usually do. Everything does. Yeah. So, Steve, it's your turn now. Okay, here we go. Now, this is good because I, I, Egyptologist, I had no idea. I do know some Egyptian leaders. Yeah, sadly, though, you're going to switch these in the second part. Oh, excellent. <laughs> okay. Let's get through this a bit quicker. Okay. Honey. That's it? Oh, I should explain. Like, is it an Egyptian ruler or a nut current or former national team player. So okay. just say ruler or footballer. Okay. Honey. Football player. No, ruler. He was the last pharaoh during the Old Kingdom's oh. Third Dynasty. I didn't know you were going to talk include pharaohs. 
Caraba. Footballer. Correct. His name means electricity. He plays for the Saudi Premier League club Al Ittihad. Rami Rabia. I'm going to say ruler. Footballer. Centre back for Al Ali. And he played with Montero at Sporting in Portugal. Mm. Quakari Inni. Ruler. Yes. End of the 11th and start of the 12th dynasty. Netjerkari Sipta. Ruler. Yes. Seventh and last ruler of the Old Kingdom, 6th dynasty. And your last one. Jedkari Isesi. Footballer. Ruler. Eighth and penultimate ruler of the 5th dynasty. So how many was that? You got three right. Three. So Steve is in the lead. And just explain what you're playing for. You are playing for... A wonderful... Pyramid of chocolate. Which is fantastic because I'm allergic to chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot that. Um, oh but you could give it to your kids. It's Roger's chocolate from Victoria, so fantastic. Um, it was modelled on one of the early pyramids before they actually knew how to build them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't travelled well. Let's just hope Ali Ghazal travels a little bit better. It look like it's structurally sound. No, this was my second attempt. This literally took me minutes. I know you'll find that hard to believe. That's tough. Yeah. So let's just put that down. Again, we'll send these photos out. So we've talked a lot about the New England game and the players coming in. So we had a fun game there. Let's do a little bit more. We're going to do reasons to be cheerful and reasons to be miserable. So with Anna being part of the Optimist Union... Mm-hmm. We're going to start with reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. One, two, three. Okay, so let's have some reasons to be cheerful, Anna. Whitecaps, one point from the last two games. If you want to take the pessimistic approach, you just said reasons to be I don't cheerful. Know, I'm building it up. Not a great performance in New England. Who knows what's happening with some of our senior players. Give us some reasons to be cheerful. Reasons to be cheerful. I think we have, if you look at the lineup, if you look at the players that we have, I think we have the pieces to have an exciting team and play some exciting soccer. The potential is there. Uh, And I know that we've seen it. I mean, 4-0 in Dallas, if I had told you. At the beginning of this year that that was going to happen with the, the players that yeah. we had, would you have believed me? No. Okay. So I would have said you're just being too optimistic. <laughs> That's true. If I had told everyone at the yeah. beginning that... Uh, you might have been locked up if you I were trying to convince folk that they're going to win four now in Dallas. Uh, but we did it. I watched it gleefully at home. Uh, so the potential is there to watch exciting games, to have excellent goals, and to get it done. That's That's one reason to be cheerful. Any from you, Steve? I think the fact that they have, there's, I think, six of the seven next home games. um, I think they, that's definitely a reason, you know, that they have. And they got so many games in hand as well. Yeah, but points on the board. Points on the board, yes. Better than games in hand. In the bush. What? No. (laughs) No. So, there are some reasons to be, be cheerful just now, but there's also some reasons to be miserable. Days 
Yeah, I've got a new reason to be miserable. My chocolate pyramid has collapsed. It's a sad sight. I never even got my photo taken to, to tweet out about it. You could take it like that. It, it looks... And it, it kind of fits the miserable yeah, part of the thing. Yeah, it looks like Egyptian ruins now, so yeah. that, that's, that's quite good. But reasons to be miserable. I'll, I'll give some Your of these... chocolate pyramid yeah, is cho- reason to be miserable. Chocolate pyramid, that's all. That's the end of this section. Now we'll be back after that. Yeah, we, we have six of our next seven games at home, but the next two games are against the, the top two teams in the West. We've got Houston and we've got Seattle Sounders coming. Four of the last five games are on the road. So that's a tough running. Have to take points in these games that's coming up at home. It's, their home form's up and down. Can I say about Houston, though? They are doing really well in the West, but they're abysmal on the road. Yes, yeah. they are. They're a horrendous home, road. We're yeah. going to preview the Houston game in part three, but yeah, they are. So I guess that, that's you looking for on the bright side of things. Any other reasons to be miserable? I think the fact that they have six of the next seven games at home and they need, they've been horrible at home this year. <laughs> I think that's definitely a reason to be miserable. Fair. And they need to Fair. win. The thing is, they need to win. Like, uh, I think yeah. that's 18 points. They can only afford to give up two points. They can afford one draw, and they have the rest of them they have to win. And real reason. Looking slightly optimistically, if they do do well in these six home games, it sets them up so well for the running. Because you've got games in hand. I mean, Houston... They're six points ahead just now, but we have two games in hand in them. Yeah. Beat them, win the two games in hand, we're suddenly top of the West. Exactly. Win all these home games, which is maybe a stretch to win six, but you have to expect to take a lot of points at home. But it puts us right in the mix. And I think if we take double-digit points from these six home games... I think they have to. I it's not don't even see if us do not it. making the playoffs. It's not even if. They have to make... make they have to. I think they have to get 14, 15 points. Now, I know you're always a cheery person. You're always looking on the bright side. But is there anything that you're worried about or anything that makes you miserable to think about right now? We don't do well on games that we should do well on. And that's terrifying at home. Yes, that's so true. We're winning the games that look like the mountain that we will never be able to climb. But when it's Portland at home, we can't get it done. Yeah, it's, the, our BC Place is not a fortress anymore. It's a bed and breakfast. <laughs> It's as you much of a fortress just, as my Egyptian pyramids. Yeah, it's they're serving them points basically in the morning mm. instead of breakfast. It's yeah. it's it's too easy for them. Opposition teams, they need to like your the New England game to go back on that. They sh- you know how you said they w- kill the game and everything. They should have gone out and got the first goal and then exactly. kill the game. That's what they need to do. Yeah. They're good enough yeah. to get that first goal and then kill the game. And but they seem like they don't want to do that. I, another thing that kind of makes me a bit miserable to think too much about is I still don't know that Robbo knows what team he should be putting out there. He's always talking about, I'm going to put out the right team. I'm putting out a team that I feel can get results or I put out a team that I feel could win this game. He always says that. He thought it was a good performance against New England. That was one of the things he said post-match. Which which, leads to my thing about him wanting to play that way. Yeah, but I, I don't know that I have complete faith in him just now to know who his best team is that he should be putting out there. Especially now that he's putting emphasis on wanting the competition between players and wanting uh, people yeah. to be fighting for their spots. How do you get the cohesive team that is consistent playing together and getting it done? How do you figure that out if he's just going to keep on trying different guys and based on their competition? Yeah, I don't know. 
I don't think he knows. We should have started with the miserable and finishing the cheery, because <laughs> now, now I'm feeling a bit down. But do you know what would cheer way. me up? A chocolate digestive. Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? Anyone fancy a chocolate digestive? So you're at home at night, got your beverage of choice, non-alcoholic. Do you go for a tea or a coffee? At night, uh, it would probably be tea, but for the most part, I just drink water, to be honest. Are you a kind of cookie person? Yeah, definitely a cookie guy. What, what's your favourite kind of cookie? Costco. Costco cookies. Oh. Yeah. And are you a dunker when you have tea and a cookie? Yes, absolutely. Prefer milk, but I would go with tea. That's great. Thanks so much. Yep. Tim Parker there didn't fancy a chocolate digestive, but he won't say no to a Costco cookie. And we'll be back with some chat about the Houston game after this. The wonderful sounds of R.E.M. there from their Green Days. Not Green Day, but their Green Album. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of British Columbia. So we're going to talk now about the next game that's up for the Whitecaps against Houston. Steve's going to get Zach back on the phone, so we'll kick things off with Anna. Touched on it a little bit there in the last part. Houston... Doing it at home. On the road, though, just one win for the the whole season so far on the road. And not a great road team. They're definitely a a team that... This is a game that is there for the taking. I keep saying this and then we don't take it. But this is a game that's there for the taking. We better take it. That's all I have to say about that. Uh, It'll be the first game back in BC Place in a considerable amount of time. Uh, and it, we better have three points at the end of the day. Yeah, the next two games are tough. Houston leading the way. Seattle finding a, a rich vein of form now second in the West, and then they're coming a few days after the Houston game. Usually when there's two games coming thick and fast, Robbo likes to mix things up, change the lineup a little bit. But I don't know how much you can afford to do that when you're playing two of the top teams that's challenging you for playoff places and especially a first round bye because for for all the miserable and pessimistic talk if the last segment the Whitecaps do have their own fate in their hands and realistically if they win their games in hand if they do well in the remaining matches there is no reason that they cannot finish in one of the, the top two spots in the West and get a first round bye so yeah I, yeah they definitely need to need to take care of this and 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 get the maximum points they can and and like you said the oh, I'm worried that you're saying that the, this is a game they, they should take because that's usually the kiss of death this season well they struggled against Houston last year and Houston were dreadful yeah um think narrow win a no no draw it didn't do well and, and Houston was horrible last year yeah. too 
Houston are coming into this unbeaten in six. They've lost one of their last nine games, two of their last 12. So they're in form. But these last six games, it's three wins and three draws. So it's not that they're steamrolling everyone. I mean, Zach, what, what are your, what's your feeling coming into this? Are you confident it's a game that they should win, but do you think it's a game that they will win? It's uh, hard to be confident uh, after what happened in New England and I think also what, what happened in Colorado and looking back uh, to the Portland game at home last month as well. It's hard to have a lot of confidence. Like There's uh, quite a level of inconsistency that is frustrating and should be concerning. But in one way, it's also par for the course in MLS, right? When part of the desired goal is parity. Um <laughs> You're gonna have a, you're gonna have a good week and you're gonna have a bad week and so yeah everyone hopes this is a good last week was a bad week this is a this is a good week. Um, well, we are it, yeah we're kind of like a Jekyll and Hyde team. It's like both yes. sides are battling to try and get out. It's like is the good side gonna win? Is the bad side gonna win? And right now we don't know which side is gonna win out in the end, which is a scary prospect. But Houston have some dangerous players. They've got Kubo Torres leading the way. 12 goals, five of them penalties though. I know Zach, you say penalties are goals, but yeah, five penalties. Um, He also is second in the team with shots with 56. Leading the team in shots is the guy that's second with goals, Myra Minotas. Our good friend Albert Ellis as well. He's got seven goals and four assists. Um, Another guy that's well known to the Whitecaps, Kyoto. He's going to be coming to town. It'll be a treat to watch him. He's an honorary Curver Collective member, I think. Is he Zach? No, no. But you visited him in the hospital. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Did he join but, your uh, arm yeah. wrestling club? Uh, no, oh. not so much. Was it, I guess it was hard to be being flattened. But also you've got Alex, who's leading the team with 10 assists. Who worries you the most? Zach? Uh, I mean... Yeah, it's hard not to be worried about Kubo, uh, especially because he's scored quite a number of, of goals against us, the memorable ones and meaningful ones. Uh, so it's, it's hard not to be to be worried about him. And I, I, like you say... I've got a headline already. If he scores one or two goals from a long-range strike, beating the Caps, it's going to be Whitecaps, Kubo, missile crisis. Yeah, it's very specific that he has to do. Yeah, that, so. I'm asking for a lot, but yeah. it could happen. Anyone else worry you, Zach? Uh, yeah, I th- well, I think it just, it, I think one thing uh, in the recent form of, of, of Houston is that the, they're, they're playing better defensively, and that should be a concern. Because, yeah, the focus is usually their attack is so good, but now they've started to play better defensively, and I know they've been off on the road. I know they only have one victory on the road and like four draws or whatever for seven points, but um, they've, they've been in such a good run of form that. Uh, I, I don't I don't think people should be should be too uber confident going into into the into Saturday's match. That's okay. Uber's not allowed in Vancouver, so we're fine. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, Anna, who worries you the most in this Houston team, or is your biggest worry the Whitecaps turning up? <laughs> <laughs> um, Alex worries me. Alex is somebody that uh, has given. Uh, that I've seen give us a bit of trouble in the past as well. Um, he is making the team tick, certainly, this year. Yeah, he's he's pulling some strings and making things happen, and that's worrisome. Um, Kyoto, as well, is able to turn on moments of brilliance, uh, and I think he gets a little bit of an extra spark against us 
a little bit. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does. And Wilmer Cabrera has been held up already as possibly being the, the coach of the year just for the way that he's turned the team around. But the money that they spend, it's kind of, it's hard not to turn a team around. And when the team's been so bad as well, it's it's hard not to turn a team around. And we saw with Colorado last year how easy it is just to make a couple of decent additions to a team and then, then you turn it around. But he has done a good job there, Zach. Oh, yeah, totally. And I think one of the key things is his relationship with Kubo, right? Like he, Kubo, they spent like, I think it was like six or seven million dollars to, to transfer him in. And then he, they couldn't get anything out of him virtually. Yeah, I thought and, it was a bit uh, of a busted flush, but he's totally turned it around. I think yeah, it was the coaching change that made a big difference. Well, yeah. He probably exactly. didn't understand Cabrera, the word Owen Coyle said. <laughs> Cabrera coached him, I think, back at Chivas, right? And, um, he, yeah, he he just has a good relationship with him, and he's been able to get the best out of him, and that, that's like huge. And I think if he can, especially if he continues, if Cabrera continues to work on their dis- defensive side of things, I know all 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 that really matters is if you win or not. But if he can work on the defensive side, I think it will help them win uh, win a lot more. And and for them, hopefully, they'll be able to get the results, get better results on the road. So a lot of what's going to happen in this match is going to be down to the Whitecaps, though, as well. And it's a lot of questions going into this. I mean, I would say I don't know if Robbo knows what his best team is. I, I don't know who I would even really put out for, for this one, Steve. It's it's difficult to see. Um, I, I, the big thing is, I, but I do think Ostead comes back into the lineup personally. I, I no matter what other issues might be, whatever they are, I think Ostead comes back. My biggest thing on the back line would be whether it's Nowitzki or Williams. Um, I'm hoping to go into whiskey because he keeps playing well, and I don't want to stop a young guy from getting it. Because who knows if William is here next year? I I do think Nerwinski would have started the week before in Colorado if Kendall had been back and hadn't been missing. Yeah, I think they just had to play Shane for the experience factor in that backline. Yeah, and I think that maybe they just wanted to. I always thought that maybe they were. Uh, they didn't think they were going to win in Dallas, and they put the, uh, their weaker lineup out there. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, the, my three guys in the midfield, Jacobson, Chani, and Reyna, that's obvious for me. Uh, and my front line is uh, Montero, Teixeira, and Bolaños. I mean, Anna, do, do you see Ousted coming back in, and do you keep Nerwinski in? Do you keep De Jong in? I see Ousted back in for the uh, next game, and I think that for me... Nerwinski's doing such a good job. How can you say that you reward uh, good play without letting him kind of have that position? He's not He's not doing anything. He's doing really well. He's not doing anything wrong. And if you say that you are rewarding uh, competition based on play, then Nerwinski has that spot for me right now. Um, beyond that, I think if Davies is back and Davies is healthy, I'd like to see him get some more minutes. Um and see what he does with them. Zach, what's your your feeling on the lineup? Yeah, no, I, th- I think I'd be surprised if Jake doesn't start. I'd be surprised if David doesn't start. Uh, the bigger question for me is left back. Is do, uh, yeah. I would kind of expect Jordan to come back in, but that, that could be interesting to see what happens there. In terms of, uh, I think the other interesting thing is the wide players. Yeah, is 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 Alfonso able to start? Uh, like I think lots of fans and supporters would love to see. Um, that's a big question. Does Bola get back in the team? Um, another uh, another important question that needs to be asked is you have guys like Tichero who's contributed quite a bit this year. 
and you have Breck Shea, who's making a lot of money and was pretty awful last game. So Yeah, it was actually something we never talked about in, in the mm-hmm. first part was like how dreadful Shea was. Yeah. He was he was he was very poor. Uh and he hasn't looked great actually in a lot of the games he started. He's yeah. looked better coming off the bench, which it's a lot of I know. Yeah, you don't want to harp on it. You're paying a lot of money to for him to come off the bench. Yeah. But I mean, I'm, I'm the same. I don't like to go on too much about players' salaries, but ultimately, you're paying a lot of money for a designated player that is most impactful by playing minimal minutes. If he keeps scoring goals and game winning goals, then you're getting good value and good bang for your buck. For me, I agree with you. I think the big decision is going to be this left back one. I think De Jong will start. Um, you could say it's maybe a message being sent, but I also think he's earned it. I think he's done really well. The The game in Dallas, he did well. He did exceptional, uh, well, in a in a losing performance, but he, he did a, had a really good game against New England. So I think Eisted will come back in. I think Nerwinski will keep his place. Shani Jacobson as your holding two. I would expect Reina to come in as the number 10, with Bola on the right because he was rested and didn't even travel. On the left, it's a puzzle to me. I don't know, do you do you go with Teixeira, who looked electric as a sub the week before, but didn't look too good against New England, but ultimately had some great deliveries and some good chances? I think he'll stay out there, but Davies could come in maybe hour mark, 65 minutes. He, he loves his... His substitutions on the air mark. In all this chatter, none of us have mentioned a beanie at all. Yeah, remember him? I, I, I just like him coming off the bench for now yeah. until he gets his uh, feet under his ground, uh, under feet under whatever feet under him. And, <laughs> and, and, and it was a little surprising he wasn't brought on as a sub in the last game. Actually. I do agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I they think, had to use one for Labo. That's the yeah, problem. Yeah, I think that he was probably the planned one, but then that went out the window when Labo went off. And I had no problem um, with bringing in. Uh, Reina for Mesquita no. and Davies for Shea. Mesquita, really again, subs. didn't have a great Start. performance as a starter. No. I don't know, I keep no, harping no. on about that, but... I, I feel like with Mesquita, I feel the same way that I did with Mane, and it's a firecracker off the bench that kind of can get something started with not very much, but when you start him, it's kind of underwhelming sometimes. So we'll just go around everyone and get your predictions in. So we'll start with Anna. For, for Houston. Uh, Since she's the guest. Uh, yes. Uh, she's not a guest. She's our new co-host. <laughs> okay. But this week, she's the guest. Next second time, it's the co-host. Um, I'm going to go 2-1. 2? Two? For us. Oh, okay. Obviously. <laughs> I'm the charter member. Of oh, yeah. yeah. I'll go 2-0 Vancouver. Oh, you got in there quick. What, what about you, Zach? 4-5-0? I'll say 3-1 three, three, Houston. Three, one, Houston. Whoa. Opposite I, of the Optimists Union. I'm going to go 2-0 Houston. Because whenever I go for the other team winning, we put in a fantastic performance. So, 2 0 Houston. There you go. Okay. Maybe that's what Zach's doing too. Mm. But as a, a game, we kind of really have to get these home points. The, the MLS, the results kind of went in our favour this weekend. Sporting Kansas City lost at the top, but they were playing Seattle, so one of them had to win. Portland lost. Portland lost. They were thumped by Toronto. One of the few times I've been happy to see Toronto actually doing well. You have to say it. you accepted that Toronto did well. You can't be happy about it. See, I I, I hate Portland Timbers. I like Portland (laughs) as a city. I just like the Timbers to lose, and they are, to me, they're bigger rivals to us than Toronto. But I do hate Toronto. 
FC. I'm a big Maple Leafs fan. Yeah, it was just surprising. Did, did you did you like the Tifo from Inebriati, Michael? Oh, I never saw it. What was it? Oh, it was it was the Greg father, uh, Greg Vanny, Godfather. It was nice. That's kind of weird. It, it was look it up. nice afterwards as well. Vanny actually had the White Caps jersey on mm-hmm. under his yeah. suit. <laughs> he did. I thought he was wearing pajamas. But it was a fantastic win for TFC at Argo Stadium, and I mean they, they've they've made that place their home. <laughs> yeah, seems like it. Oh man! But the the results did go in the White Caps' favour. Um, any surprises this week for anyone? Um, Kaka getting sent off. Yeah. Oh, man. Let, let's talk a little bit about VAR then. Week one, it seemed to go so smoothly. Week two, it seemed to show that it's great, but it's still only as good as the idiots looking at the screen to make the decisions to begin with. Which is my opinion that you should have the person who's watching the video initially should be making these decisions and just get it out of the referee's hands at the field. In the defense of the referee, he might not have known that Kaka and Colin were good friends. He might just have seen Kaka... Trying to stretch his his smile. Yeah. But he was trying to fish hook him a little. Yeah. Uh, that isn't the first time that someone's hands have touched someone's face and it has resulted in a red card. As much as yes. it was not malicious, um, you just, you can't touch someone's face. Well, and VAR oh. was used twice in the Whitecaps game. Yeah. And it Robo was shaking his head at the the one that, that brought the free kick right into mm-hmm. the edge of the, the penalty box. I didn't know that could be done. I don't think that's actually one of the, the reasons. But I, but I think I think what it is is if they see the um, during watching, like if they saw it, if they were looking at it where there was a red card, for example, if that yeah. was the reason they were looking at it. They were looking to see if it was a penalty. Yeah, so they, if they were looking to see if it was a penalty and then they see that it's the, the actual spot of the foul is there, then they can use that as, then they can overrule the yeah. initial decision. But uh, they can't. That wasn't the initial reason. No, they were looking I don't at think it. the intention no. was to find out exactly yeah. what yeah. it was. Yeah. It, it was it was mistaken identity. They got the wrong blade of grass. Oh, that's <laughs> what it was well, they don't but, have no, grass there. The, what the, what do you think the Kaka? The Kaka sending off was absolutely ridiculous. That's like if you you need context, right? Like with, without context, like things like. It, it was it was incredibly frustrating. I hope they I hope they challenge it. And, and I hope they win. And the thing is, Co- that, Colin was uh, uh, yeah, fighting for Kaka. What what the ref what the referee should have done was brought Kaka and brought Colin. I can't see everything say Kaka on the radio. Kaka. Um, so I, I they should have brought them both over, discussed it with them, and Colin would have said that no, we were just joking around. We we're just having fun. And then then he could have because he didn't have to. He didn't come over and just throw a yeah. red card. And once you throw the red card, you can't rescind it. Yeah. Well, I I don't think. I honestly don't think this will be rescinded. I don't think so. Because if Disco rescind it, you're saying the referee didn't get it right to begin with, then watch the TV screen and still didn't get it right. Yeah. I just don't think they can because they'll lose face. I, I'm, I'm, oh. I tweeted this to you yesterday. Um, the, uh, remember that when Kudo got knocked out and Kosic went in there to um, help him and try to you know open his mouth and stuff like that because he, ble- he bit yeah. his tongue? If VAR was in last year, he would have got sent off for a red card because he touched his face too. Very extenuating. Oh, so, no, Michael, Michael, I agree it won't get overturned, but I hope it does. It, you're right, it, it won't, but it should. Do you feel the the kick to Marinovic should have been reviewed? Because we saw, I think it was Rivero got a yes. disciplinary disco thing afterwards for a, a clash on a keeper. But he kind of dragged his foot on him or something like that. And didn't, didn't Manny have one too? Yeah, Manny away. as well. Yeah. 
it, everything is reviewed, right? Does it, and the people watching are reviewing every play that they think is, is, is worthy of review. It's only the ones that they think the referee has gone wrong or misjudged or haven't had a good look at or whatever that they then he plays the charades game and says it's a TV show and I'm going to go look at the TV screen that 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 uh, that are whatever actually reviewed by the referee. But every play is reviewed. So the guy, the person sitting there watching, looked at that and said, I don't think it was a, yeah. I don't think it was worth the sending off. So it, it, everything is reviewed now. Just, is, only certain things are brought to the referee's attention for him to review. Some tweets we got just regarding that VAR incident with Kaka. Uh, Ryan McLeod at CTV Ryan said, even with the video review, the refs in this league are a joke. Why would good players want to come here when you've got MLS and pro referees? 86 forever. They wanted to know if it was going to get rescinded. They're really curious. Lyle Dos Santos, Lylotas13 on Twitter, says, VAR is a joke and the MLS is painfully comical. Not sure how much longer I will support this league. Hashtag CPL. Nice. He also agreed that it's only as competent as the person reviewing it, but he also feels it was it was awful at the Confederation Cup and so far in MLS. We did see a couple of good reviews, though, in week one, but he just doesn't feel that the officials are really up to the job, and he says, are they really this clueless? Murray Lynn says, pro referees get it wrong again, and with the assistant of VAR this time, ridiculous. And Shoe Thief at Stuck on the Sofa said, absolutely not what this was supposed to be for. So, not a lot of happy bunnies this week. Anyway, we'll bid farewell to you now, Zach. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we'll see you back in the studio next week. Maybe, I mean, we've enjoyed having Anna here. We basically have the same voice, though, Zach, so yeah. no one will tell the difference. <laughs> You're both really quiet in the mic. I'm going to have to do a lot of post-editing here. Anyway, have a good week, and we will talk to you soon. Yeah, all my best. Looking forward to listening to the rest of the show. Okay, cheers, man. Cheers. Yes, that's... Uh, I'm sorry Zach missed that. It's their Flash Top 5. Uh, we do it every week. It's Canada 150. We're going to be doing our... Um, uh, and hopefully nobody uh, uh, lost their ears there. Yeah, I turned the auxiliary mic up for Zach on the phone. and forgot to turn it back down again for that. Um, uh, but th- th- we're looking great this year because Canada 150, we're looking at the U23... Top five players at certain positions this year. We're uh, this week. We're looking at the top five Canadian women under twenty five goalkeepers and under twenty three defenders because uh, it's very hard to find too many goalkeepers um, um, f- for the women. There wasn't a big list, so I decided to combine it. So number five, Suryeka, twenty years old, thirteen appearances so far for the national team. She's currently playing University of Michigan, so she's not really coming into the national team because she's concentrating on school. Uh, but she did make her debut at 16 years old, and I think we saw her, uh, Michael, at uh, against uh, Germany, I believe it was. We did? Yeah. Um, Lindsay Agnew, number four, another fullback. She's another uh, converted forward slash winger, whatever you want to say. She's currently uh, she's had five appearances with uh, the national team, uh, obviously playing in the, in the youth teams as well. Um, she's currently, uh, she was, oh, no, she actually is drafted by the Washington Spirit um, for the NWSL. And um, she looks like she she's going to be mostly playing uh, as a fullback. I'm not sure if it's a right back or left back. She might be playing both. Number three, our lone goalkeeper on the team, Sabrina D'Angelo, 24 years old, five appearances. Um, she was drafted by Western New York Flash. Um, she's now playing for North Carolina. 
she played basically for South Carolina in college, had a tremendous career, was, uh, you know, SEC goalkeeper of the year. She was also the third goalkeeper for the national team in the 2016 Olympics. Number two, Ashley Lawrence, um, 22 years old, another converted winger. She plays right back. Uh, 54 appearances already at 22 years old. She scored the goal against Netherlands that earned that draw that helped them get to the next round. And now she, uh, she graduated from West Virginia. She's now playing, playing for her parents, Saint Germain. So she's kind of got something to, uh, in common with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Number one, obviously no doubt here, uh, Kadisha Buchanan, center back, 21 years old, 71 appearances, Olympic Lyon. Uh, she is now playing for. She was the uh, NWSL was trying to get her into the um, into the into the basically into the team. I mean, into their league, but he, she decided to sign over in France, West Virginia as well. As, the same as Ashley Lawrence. She is essentially uh, she was up for an ESPY uh, as female athlete of the year, and wow. she was named the 2015 Young Player of the Year at the uh, 2015 World Cup as well. So she's basically, in my, in my opinion, in the, she's already got 71 appearances at 21. That, you know, she's going to easily break the defender uh, cap record. And I think she's, when Christine Sinclair retires, she'll be the captain in the future. Interesting. There's definitely a lot of great talent on both sides right now. And it's exciting to, to think ahead, like, where this Canadian team, both men and women, could be in the next five to ten years. But that was, that was a good list, anyway, Steve. Thanks yeah. for that again. Let's hope you've done your research on Egyptians because it's time now for part two of Away with the Pharaohs. Sound of Madness, which is an apt thing, really. It's like anyone that listens to this show every week, they do hear the Sound of Madness. Yes. But we're back. No one asked for it, but it's back. It's part two, Away with the Pharaohs. Steve is in the lead, three to two. In the first part, Steve had to guess. I was a uh, uh, national team members, former national team members, or and politicians. Egyptian rulers. Yes. Yes. But now... We're switching it around. You're going to get six names, and you have to tell me, are they Egyptologists or footballers? So I'm up at three right now. So let's see. I don't know what she has to be. So first one for you. Ramadan Subi. I'm going to say footballer. Correct. Played for Stoke City in the English Premiership since 2016. Zakaria Gonim. Footballer. Egyptologist, best known for his discovery of the Steppe Pyramid in Sekhmet and Saqqara. Sabri Katab. Egyptologist. Footballer. Played the 2017 spring season with FC Edmonton. You should know this. Moved back to Norway, where he now plays with Elverham. A lot yes. of elves in Norway. Sheikh Anta Diop. Okay, I'm, I think that's a footballer. I'm going to say footballer. He's Singalese, he's an Egyptologist and an anthropologist. <laughs> Howard Carter. 
I'm going to say that is an Egyptologist. Yeah, the most famous possibly ever yeah. discovered King Tut's tomb. Yasim Sukar. Footballer. Correct. Born in Hartlepool, played with Dundee United last season. Had a loan spell with Peter Head, played against his Fife. But he is now on to Pastures New. I think it's York City, actually. So how many did he get there? He has a total of six now. Total of six, three. So, Anna. Yes. For the dilapidated... I can't wait to win chocolate this pyramid. melty chocolate pyramid. You need to get four or more. If you tie, we're going to give it to you because okay. Steve will die if he eats the chocolate. Although well, that, would be a, that would be a good thing to film. No, not not a good thing, but no. I'll just quickly... No, no, you get a lot of hits. Yeah, we would. Which is a good thing. Hmm, probably arrested. Okay, so you're going to tell me, are these national team players or Egyptian rulers? Just say ruler or footballer. Mohamed Samir Kot. Footballer. Correct. Won the 1957 African Nations Cup. Represented Egypt at the 1960 and 1964 Olympics. I don't need to tell you that. Saleh Salim. Footballer. Correct. Also an actor. Represented Egypt from 1950 to 1962. Winning the African Nations Cup in 1959. Osama Orabi. Ruler. Footballer, oh. played in the 1990 World Cup in Italy. Har Wenifer. Ruler. Correct, rebel king during the reign of Ptolemy V. Shikabala. Ruler. Footballer, attacking mid or left winger, currently with Zamalax, gave up international football in 2010 due to receiving racial insults while playing in Egypt. Oh. And the last one. And you're on five. You need to get this to take the chocolate home. Darius. Ruler. He was. He was the second ruler of the 27th dynasty. Congratulations to Anna. You have won this chocolate pile. I have never been more honoured to have a pile of melty chocolate. It's good chocolate. It's no, Roger's chocolate. I don't chocolate. think the chocolate's melty. I think they're just the pyramid is melty. I don't know. It has been around my house for a week in the heat. So <laughs> I, I can't vouch for the state of it. But I'm sure you all enjoyed that at home. That was the first and only ever outing of Away with the Pharaohs. And we'll be back with more. Not of that, but we'll be back with more of something after this. sure you're all feeling like you're in Cairo with our Egyptian-themed show tonight. It's hot in here. It feels like we're in Cairo. It seems like it, yeah. Yeah. A lot of ruins when I was there. I'm not just talking about the, the pyramids and stuff. It was so much poverty. It was kind of really, really weird to drive around and you're seeing all these houses with no roofs and no windows. And But they love their football over in Egypt. That's one thing that I discovered. And great country. Yeah. Recommend it for a visit. You're listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, broadcasting from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. This episode of the show is brought to you as always by BC Soccer Web, your one-stop site for news, 
links. Everything really, locally, nationally and internationally. And we're going to look at some of the headlines that's been up on the site this week, Steve. Yeah, and there were quite a few. Um, I'll go over the uh, the big ones that we had. Um, first one, it was Whitecaps related a little bit. Uh, London soccer clubs receive OPDL license. Um, the London Whitecaps Academy or whatever you want to call it, the, 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 whatever. I don't know what they, did they call it Academy? I think they do. Um, they're basically going to get the license. They're yeah. going to be able to play in the OPDL, which is kind of, Helps the development is the one league lower than their league one, um, so that's a it's, it's a pretty big accomplishment for them. But at youth level, yeah, at youth under level. thirteen teams, Deve- it's a developmental yeah. league. Um, uh, second headline uh, comes from Sports Illustrated: Mexico captain Rafa Marquez among twenty-two USA Treasury sanctions for alleged drug ties. So this is basically there's uh, what was alleged by the U.S. Treasury is that Rafa Marquez, uh, he's uh, kind of like friends with a certain um, Mexican drug lord. And um, he's been part, basically because of his support or because of his ties. Uh, I don't know if they allege him actually bringing the drugs in, but they're saying that he's part of it. And they, uh, they gives him the ability to stop him from coming into the country and also... Um, they, they freeze his any kind of funding he, uh, funds he has in the country as well. So it's a pretty big story. He's also not allowed to have any dealings right now with U.S. citizens, so he couldn't come and sign for a, USL t- a U.S. team or do anything. With- I'm wondering if it would affect him in Gold Cup-wise, but I guess it's the, he, uh, he's still a captain of the team, I think, right? Isn't he like 56 by now? I don't know. <laughs> um, and the third headline from ESPN FC, uh, he, uh, Tabla wants to leave Montreal Impact. That's the um, young player. Basically, Montreal Impact's uh, Alfonso Davies. Uh, he but essentially he's not 16. Not 16, though. Not 16. He's a little older. Um, he basically skipped practice and training. He was injured a little bit, so he even uh, uh, kind of skipped that, uh, the physiotherapy session. And the source says that he wants wants to leave basically for Europe this summer and not want to wait till the end of the year. Um, Montreal saying that they only have one offer so far. Um, but the agent saying they have they, do, they have multiple offers, and then the final one uh, from BBC, and this kind of fits the Egyptian theme. Um, Egyptian referee attacked as Esperance beats uh, Fasali to win Arab Cup, and this was essentially uh, a goal. Uh, it's all happened because of a goal in injury time, where hundred second minute. Yeah, where they said it was offside. They didn't. They kept the kept the play going. There was an injured player as well. Who, went, who basically flopped? He wasn't hit in the face. He was just shoulder checked. Went down to the ground. It was that whole thing. And then basically they attacked this guy, this referee. And they, they the referee did not want to stop the play. He abandoned the game because it was in Egypt. And yeah, he, he thought it was going to be bad for Egypt. Yeah, well, it was bad for him because he yeah. got he got beaten up pretty good. Even uh, apparently during this story, there is a part where he says there was a a, a team from the team that attacked him, a coach from there that apologized yes. for. Apologized for his players hitting him, and then he that coach started hitting yeah. him too. So and they arrested thirty eight people, uh, which I'm supporters. imagining was it supporters. I think I it was supporters. It mostly. Just said people, so I thought I, it was yeah, possibly was well, team. Yeah, coach, but they, oh, they, let, they let them all go. Sure. Yeah, they let them go. Basically, released them. Yeah, I want to go. I'd love now. to see pro referees in Egypt or just a, a, in the see Arab what Cup. They, yeah, that that would be fantastic. Maybe get the young guys to go there. Hmm, but some interesting although I, I, stories although, there. Although I love that the referee in Colorado. 
uh, I don't remember his name. We never talked about it last week, but because there was no issues with the goal referee, but he he refereed a really that Colorado game was uh, there wasn't any issues there at all. Yeah, I can't even remember who it was last yeah. week. It was a young guy though. It was uh, somebody who's it was his fourth game in MLS. Well, we had Elfath on Saturday night. He n- never goes well with Elfath. But looking at the the Baloo Tabla story, if he goes and leaves Montreal. The chances of him playing for the Canadian national team, That's, I think, is nil. Yeah, basically. That, I think it's already nil right now. If he went to somewhere point. like Chelsea, starts doing well, the Ivory Coast will bring him in. That's what he seems to want to do. That's going to be it. I don't think he goes to Chelsea. I think he goes to like another, maybe in Amsterdam or uh, like in the Netherlands or, or Belgium or something like that. I don't think he goes to England right away. I thought it was Chelsea that had was getting the sniff around. Yeah. I know Drogba was. Oh, I know that, but I'm just, maybe they don't. Maybe oh, they'll well, yeah. set something up for him. I somewhere was thinking actually Drogba's probably putting a good word in for him. Oh, for sure. That's that's where all this all started because they basically blamed the impact for bringing Drogba, and that's the reason why this guy got uh, an idea that he can do it. But Chelsea may be sniffing around that guy that's doing well with Twenty One Thunder just now, the Montreal Thunder. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's also from the Ivory Coast. So yeah, could good, sign him. Good sign him. Yeah. Could have a, a special thing to do with 21 Thunder on next week's show. Excellent, can't little, wait. Little teaser there. Can't wait to hear it. Yeah. So that was the, the headlines. As always, check out bcsoccerweb.com for all your local, national and international news, headlines and links. Now it's time for our wavelength section of the show. And we're going a bit back in time. Not as back as last week? No. It was a bit psychedelic last week. I liked that. But, yeah. We're going back to 1977. This is uh, a band that Lord Bob loves, Genesis. And this is a truly dreadful song. The lead singer of the band, Phil Collins, said he regrets it. Sell the segment. Yeah. Sell the segment. Not doing this well. But I'm playing it because the English Premiership is back. Match of the Day is back. Which I think a lot of folk watch that online. Either. Oh, for sure. On YouTube and or you know what I, I forgot to I forgot to mention BC Soccer Web for even for like all the previews for all the you know best previews for the Premier League they're they're like the site to go to as well they put yeah, everything everyth- you need to everything go up there. Yeah. but yeah match of the day was back it's always a, a fun thing if anyone doesn't know what that is it's basically just a highlight show on BBC TV it's over fifty years old it shows all the Premiership games so because match of the day was back I thought I would play this song by Genesis. From their Spot the Pigeons EP, so one there for the Pigeon Casuals, this is Match of the Day. Every week, citing riots causing chaos. 
Genesis there from 1977 it had a very 70s kind of vibe to it. Yeah, you weren't kidding about that song. Yeah, the the lyrics, not their finest hour, was how Phil Collins de- described them. But yeah, check it out. Spot the Pigeons EP, uh, one of the the main tracks on it, and it's also on some of their compilation albums. Anyway, just before we wrap up this episode of the show, let's take some tweets. We've had quite a lot of tweets in tonight, actually. It usually happens when they lose. Yeah, funnily yeah, enough. Yeah, people are always chatty on that. Sean Powell at STP Online says, we need a couple of big name difference makers to round out the team. Uh, Zemali. Zemale? Zemali. I can't read this. Zemali. Zemali From <laughs> comes I, to uh, mind. Impact. Players of that pedigree and calibre. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, th- I think the thing, like, for example, we were talking about Lava before. If Lava goes... That's a DP spot that you can use as a striker or an, a winger, possibly, or even another attacking midfielder. So they need to use their those spots better. Like Breck Shea, for example, another person who's supposed to be a DP but sitting on the bench. Uh, they need to use those positions better and maybe spend a, just a touch more for those spots. Another tweet from Sean here. He says, as a supporter of Canadian soccer, it's nice to see what's happening in Toronto and to a lesser extent, Montreal with impact signings and making the team do well. And he just feels the caps are failing in that regard. The guys that they're not bringing in just aren't impact guys. I think there are. They have all those guys have moments of impact, but the, yeah, not like they they don't well, they I mean, won't carry the team. Yeah, I mean the thing There's with Montreal is every single player is an impact player. Yeah, that's that makes it easy for them. 
But they need to bring the players that can carry a team if they need to. But there's nobody on there right now. Gideon, Gideon Hill, 18. He wanted some snake charming to be part of the festivities tonight. Unfortunately, I didn't bring one. I don't think... Do the Egyptians have snake I'm charmers? I'm surprised, though, because you've pulled so much stuff out of that bag. Are you yeah. sure that you don't have... Yeah, because I'll send another photo. I forgot I actually brought some extra stuff. There was a small did, pyramid, a medium pyramid, and a big pyramid. Did you get small locked? Small dog, a big pyramid. Did you get locked in a shop or something? You were forced to buy this stuff? That was what we were warned about going around the market. Yeah. Yeah, we were told, happen. stay in the middle, and don't, if someone calls you over, don't go into the shop, because they'll get you in, they'll lock you in, and then don't let you out. I, I, I spent about $200 on Egyptian uh, perfume oils because I oh, felt so pressured that they yeah. wouldn't let us leave. And I know. That's why I, like my, my wife is uh, from India. And when we go shopping there, she just deals with it. And she is so harsh on the shop owners and everything. And we get great deals. Because <laughs> I, I, I just... I'm not a I'm, good haggler. I'm, I'm just, I just pay the sticker price. But she yeah. just gets like... she gets She asks for half off. They say no. She walks away. They come running after her. Say, "Okay, okay, we'll give it to you for half off." Yeah, I, I'm. That's the art of that. the barter. You yeah. have to walk away. And if, if you're that. anything other than Indian and you go there, or don't look Indian like me, sometimes when I go there, like I dress, don't dress like them at all, you will get burnt. Whether you do all their events or like go for elephant ride or camel ride mm-hmm. or anything, they will they will rake you. Another tweet from Sean Powell, just carrying on from the last one. He's proud of Piet. Um, he thinks Canada's on the verge of moving tiers in the world with potential to be a top CONCACAF nation. The Caps need to buy into that. Yeah. Well, we do have a lot of Canadian players. We've got Edgar. We've got De Jong. We've got Davies. Levi's. Le- yeah, Levi's. Levi's is probably going to get capped. Ben McKendry Bustos. was on the verge. Bustos. Adekubi went to Sweden. Yeah. We and, and the thing is, the Whitecaps have done a really good job of... Because any, any player that comes up through the residency... Their main goal, if you look at them, their favorite team is Barcelona or yeah. or Manchester United or they Chelsea. They want to play in they, Europe. Everybody wants to play in Europe, so they're going to give them the chances to play in Europe, yeah. and that's the and I think that's a great thing. I think Vancouver's done a great job doing so far. AFTN writer Chris Corrigan at Salish C eighty six. He wants to hear our stories of the hardest liquor that we've ever tasted and what it did to you, because he has a recent one of those stories, which I'm guessing is from the Bowen Island thing yesterday so can can you share anything on that was he liquored up yesterday uh i think uh, the majority of the liquoring happened after i left because Ah. i am a very um top caliber and uh law abiding person so plus you wanted to have a clear head for the show tonight absolutely yes Yes. my story is basically my roughest night was uh in a place called fort saskatchewan um up in alberta north of edmonton and all I'll say is uh, straw, no, um, styrofoam cups of Crown Royal straight and dancing on the stage um, <laughs> at a at a country bar. Oh. And that's right. that's that's basically the gist of it, what happened to me that day. The rest of it, I'm not sure, 100% sure what happened. I don't even drink anymore. I never really this drank was, This was years ago. This, this was 20 years ago, probably about 15, 20 years ago. I just had one horrible one where... I'd been at an East Fife game, got some chips, King Ribs Supper, which is kind of like a pork thing and batter and chips. I had wolfed that down, was in a bad mood because East Fife had lost. We're going to friends for a nice quiet night in. I downed half a bottle of vodka, mostly neat, in the first couple of minutes. Puked up everywhere, crashed out and woke up the next morning. Yeah, excellent. That- Sounds like a good East Fife night. Yeah, 
That's the last time I was drunk, actually. And that was a long, long time ago. My, a friend of mine has the, a, a great story about when he got drunk. I was there, so I had to help him. I was sober, but essentially ended up with a mattress getting burned in the open Ooh. field. And you were there. And, and I was there. And you I, were well, sober. I had to burn the mattress. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was one of those futon uh, things, sponges okay. kind of thing. It Sometimes wasn't a fu- you got to burn a futon. It wasn't a full mattress. It was a sp- mostly a sp- thing. Yeah. Some more tweets from Chris. He says, if lava's gone... Um, is our makeover complete? Because it has been a pretty makeover season. It, or it felt like that. He he thinks, does Laba's injury... Oh, he wants to know if he injured his ankle. An Egyptian pun there. Oh. Are the Good supporters pun. too rah-rah? This is <laughs> very... I like this. Yeah. Oh, it goes right down your road. Yeah, he also wants us to read out some of Ghazal's tweets in Arabic. That's yeah, not that Good luck with could that. Could be tough. Um, he also has a trivia a trivia, a trivia trivia question for you and Zach. He wants to know how many players called Ali or Ali have played for the Whitecaps. I'm going to see. Including residency. Three. We'll see. Alessandro Hojapur yeah, could Al- be Ali. Ali Moose. Oh, yeah. Ali Moose. And Ali Ghazal, obviously, is one. I'm counting him in there. And I'm thinking there's probably one other one, but I can't. I think there's one other one but in the residency. I know. I can't remember. Mm. What's the answer? He doesn't give it. Oh, well, good trivia. Uh, Greg Petrie at Ardham World says, give me a reason why I should be optimistic about this upcoming homestand. No Matthias Lab on the pitch. Oh. <laughs> I know, I know. Oh it's my. probably too soon, too soon. No, I'm just saying maybe they, they, maybe they, they have a different look in the midfield. Come on, give Greg a reason. I Anna. mean, uh, well, I, I'm just going to reiterate the pieces that I said before. Houston is horrendous on the road, and we've got pieces that uh, that can make it work. I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, Davies can do if he's up and ready to go. And, um, and and they're a top team, so Vancouver always plays to the level of their opponents. So if true. they're a top team we play up. Yeah, at home, yeah, and the, that and is a good thing. So it's a good thing. Point. Yeah, which makes a run-in, which is quite a weak run-in, a bit worrying. Um, Stefan Eriksson, the, the penguin at the underscore P-N-G-U-I-N, he wants to know, was there even a match yesterday? He couldn't tell because he dozed off. Yeah. I had that feeling. Too many blackberries. I went blackberry picking. Uh, Greg Petrie thinks that De Jong should be starting over Harvey. He hates Harvey, though. I know. There's a few Harvey haters out there. I, I love speaking to John Harvey. We've got some really fun segments recorded, so hopefully he's still here. Um, because we've got some fun segments well, for him. He can't be traded now. No, season, but he can. I've already got things in the bag for our Christmas episode. Wow. Yeah. Chris Corrigan again. He doesn't understand why the vampire is so picky. Why only type A? What the hell? Uh, I don't know. I, 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 maybe it's just the taste that affects him. I, I haven't gone really. I, maybe I'll research it this week mm. and give you an answer next week. I'm a positive, so yeah. I'm a bit worried if the vampire is listening to this show. He also says, holy hell, that klaxon woke him up. All right. That was meant to, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> we just late. needed to see who was still listening, yeah. and obviously it was Chris. Well, the tweets have dried up, so I don't think anyone's listening okay. now. So it's probably a good time just to wrap things up. Anyone want to talk about anything before we do that? No, I think it's time to wrap it up. WFC 2 lost a horror, horrible game today. 3-0 down Seattle. Meyer Bevan got sent off, which I thought was a piece of nonsense as well. If you can't kick a guy in his calf when you're running past him, what's the game coming to? No. He blocked him. He yeah. got on his road. No, I agree with you there. Hmm. Calf kicking is... I used to hit people in the back in the calf with my hockey stick when we play road hockey. 
Mine's are really tight just now. I've been having a lot. Do you want a kick? Issues. Might help. <laughs> my wife's been trying to do yoga, which once again, if anyone needs a yoga teacher, get in touch with us. My wife is a qualified yoga teacher. <laughs> but just before we go, let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. You can find me on Twitter at Anna Namsharan. And you can find Zach on Twitter at Zachary AM. And his... Uh, his movement, movement is Curva Collective. You can find them at the Curva Collective. And they've had good movement over the last couple of weeks. They have, and they might be moving to the south side next yeah. year. I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFT in Canada. Listen to all our stuff here on CITR Radio. Read all our stuff on AFTN.ca, away from the numbers. Give us a follow on Instagram as well, AFTN Soccer. If you are listening to podcasts on iTunes, leave us a review or a rating. We keep forgetting to ask for that, so it'd be nice if you did that. We hope you've enjoyed this kind of all-over-the-place Egyptian-themed show. Next week, who knows what the theme will be. But I do have a new game that we're going to play. It isn't away from the pharaohs, but it's, it's going to be gold. Gold, Jerry, it really is. So until then, thanks for listening. Take care. And mourn their caps. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine.